yeah, here we go for the Monday show. Up in here. I am Stretch. Your only host on the Big 40. I was going to brag about myself and be like the greatest show on the Big 49. That's the only show on the Big 49. Actually, uh, there is the Moto Man show, but that only comes on Fridays when I can get Moto away from the crack and the hookers and uh, into the studio to do a show and sober enough to spit out four hours. He is joined by Kyle. I have the same problem with Kyle, too, so it's good they only work one day a week. Moto and Kyle on Fridays. Then on Saturday, there is the other Moto show, and it's not the Moto show because of Moto Man. It's the Moto show because that's where we cover racing, and we did that on Saturday night. It's weird. It's the first time we haven't been there live for all the action, walking around in the pits, walking up to people, interviewing people and stuff, so interviews online after the races. Uh, It's all weird, but it was in Houston, and it was still a great night of racing, really, really good stuff to get to. And I tell you, Eli Tomac, back to being Eli Tomac, and we are going to talk to him coming up in moments. The next segment will be with Mr. Eli Tomac. Going to ask him about how do you get that big-ass crash out of your head that you had at uh, at A2, and... How do you get back to winning so quick after a gnarly-ass wipeout? So all of that coming up with Mr. Eli Tomac. And then if you miss Eli, we'll drop him in again later on in the show. Now, besides Eli today, besides Moto, I got a bunch of stories. I got a story for Australians. Shout-out to everybody listening in Australia. I know we got uh, listeners there. Something came up this week. We ran ratings on the Big 49. And the first list we get, it just shows you where everybody is listening. Remember, it's a streaming, so you know where the streams are going. And there is the international audience of Big 49 has more than quadrupled in the last month. And I have a feeling that's a lot to do with Moto and us covering Moto. There are motocross fans around the world. And for the most part, you can check out a podcast or crap like that. But if you... uh, really, really want to get down, you go to, uh, you have to subscribe and watch the Supercross feed, and it's like 50, 60 bucks or whatever, at least, if you just want to know who won, you can listen to the 49, and I think just giving inside moto info, there's a lot of international riders, by the way, this week, uh, Dylan Ferrand is from Star Racing Yamaha, who is out of France, Bad Crash, our, uh, well, which is going to him, also... Uh, uh, Viali, who is coming out of Europe, made his debut in the 250 East and was super, super solid. Always some foreign guys out there. Australia uh, dominating the 250 class again in this round. We had Chet Lawrence with the 250 West and now Hunter in the 250 East. And it's looking like it's going to be Hunter versus uh, Jet when the East-West showdown comes to town. And that'll be fun to watch. Everyone can ask him, what's it like to race a brother? Freaking American moron, moto journalist. Lord. But I got the uh, Australia story coming up. That's another reason. Just Australia is the most deadly place on the planet. Mate, let me tell you that, mate. I want to go to Australia bad. It seems like a very beautiful place, and I've always wanted to visit there. Every time I have one of these stories, it makes me rethink it. Because uh, I am a, a giant vagina, I guess, and would be haunted by the stories I know about Australians and everything that can kill you there. This is just another one to the list. 
Then I have a dangerous sport. We know that uh, moto is a dangerous sport, but uh, there's one more deadly. I have the death of a 14-year-old boy doing a sport this weekend that we will talk about. Uh, I have a guy that is setting a world record, or at least trying to, right here in America. And it, you dope smokers will love this guy. He's bringing the, he's bringing the heat to the Guinness Book of World Records for for uh, weed smokers. Got a story about a bad cop. Got a story about uh, maybe we're finally getting alien signals from outer space, and I'll tell you how that's happening. And that's thanks to our friends in Canada. We've got a lot of listeners in Canada, too, so shout out to all you guys. There's a hell of a lot. Then we'll talk about that stupid weather balloon. But next, it's Eli Tomac. And then in the third segment, I will give you the big stretch show announcement. Huge stretch show announcement. That's the top of the next hour. And then we'll move on from there, and I'll get into the rest of the story. But the big, giant stretch show announcement, if you haven't seen it on social media yet, is uh, coming right after the interview with Eli Tomac on the Big 49. The Man Entertainment Report! Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks are kind of crazy. They just took a deal to take Kyrie Irving from the Brooklyn Nets in exchange. They sent a couple players back over there. But here's the really crazy part. He could bolt in free agency this summer, and Kyrie Irving is a temperamental little biatch. So there's no guarantees he sticks around in Dallas, but they've got him at least for the rest of this season to team up with Luka and the other guys. We'll see how it goes. Over the weekend, right here by the Big 49 West Studios, former Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger did something a lot of people wish they could do. He ran over a bicycle rider, and they say it wasn't his fault at all. The bicycle just swerved in front of his car before he could hit the brakes. He hit the lady. She went down. They took her to the hospital. They say Arnold is not at fault. It is not his fault at all, but he did take her bicycle, put it in his car, and bring it to a local bike shop and had it repaired while she is on the mend. As soon as she gets better, her bike's going to be all good, courtesy of the governator. And finally, two things happened over the weekend that I give absolutely no Fs about, and you shouldn't either. It was the Grammys. I don't know who won because I do not care. They are stupid. And also the Pro Bowl, which is really, really stupid now. I think they, like, pick teams like they're on a playground now, and it was... Uh, one of the coaches ended up being Pete Davidson. I can't make this crap up. Really? And we're playing flag football now? Punch me in the nuts. I'd rather freaking watch paint dry than that crap. The Man Entertainment with Stretch. Big 49, it is Stretch, and right now we are going to sit down with a dude that got back to his winning ways tonight after not getting on the podium at all, but having won every round so far this season. I'm talking about Eli Tomac. Now, Eli, uh, last week was a gnarly crash. We didn't know how banged up you were, how bad things were going to be. It looked pretty bad. Uh, you did get back on the bike and finish the race. You salvaged a sixth. It was kind of a good thing that you were in a triple crown format last week. It really helped you points-wise. But you came back tonight and just picked up where you left off. So uh, walk us through, you know, last week and how you're feeling physically and how you were able to rebound so hard and, and come back with that win tonight. Yeah, it was just a, a big rebound for us. Uh, last week's crash was, was really scary. And um, to be honest, I, I just still can't believe that I'm – okay and healthy yeah. uh you know nothing was tweaked from it so um just wanted to come here and have a, a good solid race and um my starts got back to to being better this evening um started up front uh you know both those both those races there the heat in the main so that was key for me and then obviously uh you know the the red flags are always a little bit wild there and it was unfortunate for my teammate dylan yeah. but um yeah i just improved my riding too in, in the main event uh you know i felt like the whole day uh 
uh, you know, Chase had a had, a, had another level on us. So um, just 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 ended up riding better in the main. Found a couple more lines and. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Was, was able to do it for those 20 minutes there. All right, let's talk about this. Chase, uh, like you said, he had another level on him. It was deja vu of what we saw in the outdoor season with Chase pushing you to where you guys were riding at a pace. It made it seem almost like you were out of your comfort zone. You guys were riding so fast going through that track, and it was just like we saw in the outdoor season. Did you know he was closing in on you as much as he did at points during that race? Oh, yeah. You know, there was, there was no time to rest at yeah. all. I mean, uh, you know, that's that's one thing is, you know, you, when you're when you're racing, you're always just, you're marking guys and watching them. Yeah. Um, you know, the thankfully the uh, you know a lot of traffic wasn't wasn't too bad this weekend. Uh, track was pretty open and fast, so it was good good that way. And um, yeah, just you know. Never, uh, never felt that at ease. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Absolutely, you weren't, because you were getting hounded the entire race by either AP or by Chase. It seemed like. So uh, let's talk about this, Eli. How do you get over such a big get off the week before in Anaheim? That was a gnarly crash, and I know it has to stay in your head. How do you keep it from haunting you and 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 you know challenging the decisions you make on the track today? And also physically, how do you come back from that and and are ready to race and ready to win again tonight like for one i couldn't believe i was fine you know like on tuesday right yeah us either totally normal but um on friday when we rode press day here we had that yeah, uh there was the the 90 degree turn after the tunnel and there was the three on the table again yeah. and to be straight up i i hit the the 90 and then went three on and i had some like ptsd <laughs> in my head that's for sure jumped a little extra far to the right and uh i don't know it crept in my head a little bit it was like this the same sort of jump three and okay. on the table but yeah. uh hey just gotta gotta keep push on and try to get out of my head oh, man and and amazing job you were able to do that because you didn't really have any chance to you know kind of just get back in the rhythm once you were racing because you had guys in that main event you had guys all over you that entire race and do you think that the uh, that the red flag helped you when Dylan went down and they had the red flag? You, AP was sweating you hard up until that point, and then it seems like after the restart, you got a little bit of a breather, and then at that point, it was Chase that was pressuring you hard from that point on. Yeah, I, I had major pressure, you know, yeah. in, the, in the first first uh, first go there, um, yeah. and AP was all over me, yeah. and uh, I. I didn't really know where where to to try to make up the time or knew what was or tried to you know I was trying to figure out where where to be better. I couldn't figure it out. So um, anyway, it seemed like I was better once we got going again the second time and okay. and um, yeah. All right, uh, and uh, looked like when the night started, honestly. Uh, you were like, okay, maybe that crash affected him because your your actual uh, heat race wasn't that great, and then you came out in the main event. What did you do? What did you change between the heat race and the main event so that you got it dialed in? Because did you do something to the bike, or was it just something uh, mentally? What happened? Because you, you looked very different between the heat race and the main event when you were dominant as hell again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no adjustments to the motorcycle. Okay. Just trying to be better, you know, trying to be better down the rhythm lanes. Um, really focused on not missing the triple quad. I missed that a ton in the heat race. I probably yeah. missed it more than I did jump it. So okay. I had that in my head. Um, they did happen to make it a, a little more forgiving in the main event, but it was still really steep, really technical. Yeah. Um, and that was it. And then other than that, was my goal was just to, to get out front and and hopefully just uh, you know be a be a pest out out front. Okay. Um, to because to be honest, I was like. 
I can't hang. You know, after that heat race, and then yeah. um, I don't know. Things has changed in the main. You know what? I noticed changed in the main. It seemed like in the main you only went to the outside over and over and over. Uh, in the sand that you stayed on on that outside line there was an inside line people were taking both but you just kind of hammered it in the main on the outside line and it seemed like you were probably the only guy that really got to the point where you weren't losing time in the sand like everyone else was so did you even go inside in the main on the sand because I, I don't remember seeing you do it um in the main yeah i don't think i went inside I, maybe once but uh yeah it ended up being to where the the outside for me was uh, way better in the main event compared yeah. to uh, the heat race and the, the way it shaped up and formed, and I was able just to, to ride the edge of it the, the whole whole way around it in the main. All right, uh, let's talk about now something I know you don't like to talk about, so we're not really going to talk about it. dance around this. Uh, I know you don't like to talk about the wins. You're encroaching a higher level on the all-time wins. By the time this season's over, you're probably going to be number two overall. But do you think that's a bigger deal, the, the overall wins as far as your legacy goes, or the fact that you were able to go, you know, championship in both outdoors and in Supercross last season? Because that's also very rare air. Which one do you think is a bigger deal historically for you? I, I don't know. I, and then I feel like, uh, you know, last year, you know, winning, winning both yeah. both titles, um, you know, was a big thing for me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to... To do, to, <laughs> yes, to do, you know, supercross and then motocross. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm satisfied with most things I've done. All right. Uh, th thank you for the answer, Eli. I know you don't like talking about that stuff, especially the win totals and all of that stuff, because it's like, you know, it's a work in progress and it's not over till it's over. And when it's all said and done, then we can look back and make those comparisons. But right now, you got to get to racing. And after an off week last week, you managed to get right back to racing like we're used to seeing you race, and that is top of the podium style. So what was the one thing, Eli, like what, what did you dial in this week to, to, you know, get the crash out of your head and to get back in? And, and like, what did you improve on this week that got you back to your winning ways, you think? Um, my main focus this week was just getting back out front on the starts. Okay. You know, I had great starts in the first two races, and yeah. then... Um, Anaheim too. I was just getting buried off the gate there, and um, just really focused on that. That was that was my main goal. Uh, was start start starts this week. All right. Well, whatever you did, Eli, it worked, and you got right back to being the Eli Tomac that we all know and love. Red plate. Uh, lead has extended again from four points to seven points. Chase Sexton's coming, though. Can't wait to see that battle as we head into the next round in Tampa. Congratulations to you and the Star Racing Yamaha team. Uh, send our best wishes to your teammate, uh, Dylan Ferrandez, and we'll talk to you next week in Florida. I am Stretch. This is the Big 49, your home of Moto Rock Extreme. Big, 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 the big 49 moto minute brought to you by lbz shout out to justin cooper from that star racing yamaha team he makes his 450 debut and he does it to a number seven overall that's pretty impressive considering the first part of the season he hasn't raced he came out when the 250 east guys did and now he's looking really good in fact he finished just one notch ahead of ken roxon that's how good his night was on that 450 and this is what justin had to say after the race he said damn these guys are fast i had an outside gate pick which was tough with the first turn but i was able to find my flow and kicked off consistent laps to finish seventh last night it's been a while since i've raced in a stadium so I'm happy with how everything went. See you guys in Tampa. Thanks to the team for all that they do. Shout out Justin Cooper. Can't wait to see what he does next week in Tampa. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9, it is a Stretch Show.
Time to get thunderstruck, bitches. Going to go down to Australia's here in a second, but first I'm going to give you the major stretch show announcement. And this is kind of cool. I'm a little sick of myself. I'm going to be a lot more sick of myself as time goes on because we have now launched... We did a little test run on Friday. We uh, loaded up the Thursday stretch show as a podcast onto all streaming platforms. Go to iHeart. They make it a little difficult to find because I'm stretch and that's what they do. But look for The Big 49, The Stretch Show, wherever you find podcasts. And it is listed on there as either Stretch Show, The Stretch Show, or The Big 49 Stretch Show. And it is just the show. It's it's basically the Stretch Show talk segments. Then there'll be a Moto Minute between or the Man Entertainment Report between or maybe a little piece of uh, Big 49 production. And so it's just talk, talk, break, talk, break, talk, break, talk, break as we roll through uh, the entire show. And it breaks down to an hour right at an hour, a little over an hour of talk in a, what is a five-hour show, which replays most of the way through and ends up being a nine-hour show on the actual radio. But you can get it all in one hour, minus that pesky rock and roll. And if you like the stretch show or you missed any of it, or if you heard me talking about something, hey, coming up on the show and then you missed it, now you can just go to the podcast and blow right through the whole damn thing. And it's posted the day after. So listen to the show today. This show today, the Monday show, will be available Tuesday as a podcast. iHeart is one of our partners. It's on Spotify. It's on everything. It should be everywhere you get your podcast. And uh, that has just started. So that is the big announcement. Now let's go down to Australia. And let me tell you about something. I'm going to read you a headline and you're going to go like, what? How's that happen? How's that even possible? The answer is Australia's. That's the answer. Here we go. Australian teen dies in an unusual river shark attack. There's no effing such thing as a river shark. Suck my balls, Australia. No, no, no. There's not a river shark. There's no river sharks. So how the hell is it only in Australia that a girl about 3.45 p.m. local time is swimming in the Swan River and the Fremantle Port area of Perth, Australia over the weekend when she is attacked by a shark in a freaking river? Yeah, the victim was riding a jet ski. She had jumped off it to go for a swim. You know why? She was in a freaking river. They say there was a pod of dolphins in the river when the shark attack occurred. So she jumps in, there's a bunch of dolphins swimming around in a river. You know, we don't have uh, dolphins in America, in the effing rivers. Authorities say they're not sure yet what kind of shark attack uh, it was, like what kind of shark got her. Say it's very unusual for a shark to be that far down the river, you know, up into the freshwater area of the river. Yeah, there it was. Howdy-do, welcome to Australia's. We have a dead teenager from a shark attack in an effing river. This is not normal, Australia. This is not normal. You guys gotta, like... I mean, in America, we worry about crime. We worry about getting robbed and killed. We worry about mass shootings. 
We worry about people killing you. In Australia, we got jellyfish, sharks, uh, effing spiders, snakes, everything that can kill you. Poisonous this. I'm sure there's a poisonous plant in Australia that'll kill you. You name it, if it's in the wild and it can kill you, it's in Australia's. And it will kill you in spades. But yeah, no. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm in a river. There's no sharks in a river. I'm swimming in the river. I'm fine. Oh no, not in Australia's, you're not. Effing shark just ate you, bitch. F that. I may never go there. I may take it off my bucket list. I'm Stretch. It's the Big 49. Big 49. It's a Stretch show here on a Monday morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to us. Now you can get the Stretch show all the time. On demand, 24-7. It's also another way for me to shove it up podcasters' ass. Let's be honest. I trash podcasters, and they're like, we got a podcast. Let me do moto. Guess what I am now? I'm an effing moto podcast, and I come to you every single day. Five days a week, Monday through Friday. I got moto up the wazoo in my podcast. And I got shark attacks in Australian rivers. Yeah, Stretch is coming for the world. Radio has been changed forever, and it's been changed by us here at the Big 49, and there's no looking back. And if people thought the future was podcasting, F you. I ate you. I ate you. I am you. I did podcasting before podcasters did podcasting. You know, I had a podcast that ran for 13 years with Jack and the Jack and Stretch show. Jack and Stitch, then Jack and Stretch. I used to be Stitch because I used to work for a demon named Jamie White. She called me that because she's evil, because she's a devil woman. She wouldn't call me Stretch. She said, I'm calling you Stitch. And I'm like, F you. And I got stuck with that name for like 10 years. I love Jamie. Uh, actually, I really do love Jamie. By the way, other people that I love that I worked with long ago in radio career, I got to hang out with this weekend as well. And that was uh, the Baker Boys. Baker Boys. I was their producer back in the early 90s. And they were the number one morning show in all of Los Angeles with higher ratings than Howard Stern. They were the first English-speaking show to beat Howard. They, they were amazing. And I was on that for that ride. So that's where my hip-hop roots come from. All the hip-hop I know is just from being there and being with those fools. It was uh, Nick V's birthday. Shout-out to Nick V. So I got to see my boys. I love those kids, and that was a good time. Also, shout-out to Danger Boy Deegan making his pro debut with a fourth place overall finish in Houston. Very, very impressive young man. Also a cool kid. We have had him on the 49 before. Uh, we saw him walking by one day. We were doing a broadcast and we're like, hey, that's Danger Boy. And we're like, hey, come here. Hey, he came over and talked to us and was cool as hell. Very cool kid. So congratulations to the Deegan family. I know uh, the whole family is very, very vested in those kids' uh, careers and it's paying off and you're doing the right thing so shout out to brian and his wife and the rest of their kids too because they're all coming up that damn that girl's a damn nascar driver she's no joke either Haley. so here we go uh let's get into my story now a university of toronto team has created an algorithm to organize telescope data to weed out interference what does that mean it's like voodoo that's what it is the scientists claim that this new algorithm is going to help them search for advanced extraterrestrial civilizations that are sending techno signatures. Oh no, not Kenny Roxon techno. 
not aisle five at Boys Market Techno. No, small signatures. The algorithm found eight new radio signals already from five different stars. And they say these are definitely, definitely possibility that these radio signals coming from these uh, distant stars are extraterrestrial in origin. And not just some background interference coming from another planet or from our planet itself. The new machine's learning uh, operated algorithm just detected the eight radio signals coming from the five stars that are 30 to 90 light years away. They say, while well, this, and even narrowing it down to eight, they say they're probably still not extraterrestrials, but they don't know for sure. But the algorithm has helped them. They think the aliens could be communicating with techno signatures. And we're just now finding this out for the very first time with this new program that these guys have developed with this advanced algorithm to detect all this stuff. The scientists behind the algorithm uh, from the University of Toronto say they have streamlined the search for extraterrestrial life by using the new algorithm, and it helps them to organize the data from their telescopes. Using machine learning, the algorithm weeds out human-made interference to allow scientists to focus on real signals that are coming from deep space and then find patterns in that information so that they know they are some type of communication or signal they can show they came from technologically generated signals so the computer's doing the work that dumbass humans can't do. Because humans here, literally, it's like And you're like, what is that? I don't know. And then you're trying to determine if it's a pattern or if it's some type of signal. So now they're, they have a, a computer doing it and computers are way smarter than people. They say even though these eight signals appear the way the scientists expect extraterrestrial signals to look, they say they aren't yet convinced that aliens are behind them, but they are hoping to see the same signals again to increase the chances that these have some extra meaning. So if they find them again, they're like, wait a minute, those are radio signals, and they are coming from that planet, and our algorithm is working, and we have absolutely figured out where there is some alien life. That'd be very cool. And I kind of like knowing that alien life is 30 to 90 light years away, so they can't come here and just whoop our ass and take our stuff. That would be good. They say, uh, the people in charge, that they are optimistic that they will be able to better quantify the likelihood of the presence of extraterrestrial signals from other civilizations now that they have this new technology, this new advanced algorithm and uh, computer AI to decipher all that. That's cool. Now let's talk about non-advanced military operations and the U.S. Chinese weather balloon BS. I came out last week and said this is a total farce and it's the U.S. government trying to mislead us. And maybe it's the U.S. government that's flying these things over our own ships and buzzing them with drones. If those are indeed drones and not extraterrestrial craft, it's probably the U.S. government throwing the curveball because they have been mofos on this topic all along. Well, let's get into this story next. I'll update you on the weather balloon that got finally shot down after it crossed our entire country and flew directly over a top-secret military base. Then we decided to shoot it down after it got out over the ocean. Yeah, that's brainiac genius at work right there. Talk about this one next. It's the Big 4-9. Big, 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 the big 49 moto minute brought to you by LBZ.
with the 250 West Supercross guys sitting idle this weekend after we kicked off the 250 East in Houston. A lot of them decided, you know what, I'm not staying home. I'm going to go racing. And they packed up their gear and they headed to Reno, Nevada, and they got down in the arena cross. And I'll give you this, Kyle Peters, the dude that is the arena cross mofo, Managed to get the overall win this time. Last time, a lot of Supercross dudes showed up. He did not get that overall win, but this weekend he did. But some of these Supercross guys that finished all up in the top five are Dominique Deary, who's on that Star Racing Yamaha team. Uh, we also had Brandon Ray up in there and a few other guys, but a lot of dudes were out there making the grab for the cash at the Arena Cross. And no, no shame in that game to the privateers. I am Stretch, another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. It is a Stretch show. And I just got poked in the ribs by a long-nosed German Shepherd who thinks it's lunchtime and it's not. It's not lunchtime, Sarge. No. Get your big nose out of my side. All right, let me tell you this. Right now we're going to talk about the Chinese spy balloon which now, I love this, what they've all spun because everyone's like pouncing all over the president for saying, you giant buffoon, why didn't you shoot this thing down when it was over no man's land in Montana? Now they wait for it to get out over the Atlantic Ocean after it already flew directly over the top of a sensitive U.S. military base. And God knows what else it flew over the top of. And then somewhere over the Carolinas, it goes out over the ocean and then we shoot it down with a fighter jet. So, why didn't they shoot it down over no man's land? They said the president said he was worried about the civilian population. It's a weather balloon, and it's over nothing. Montana. We could shoot down 200 weather balloons over Montana, and I'm going to guess 200 of them don't hit anything. So, why we didn't do it is suspicious to me, and I've been suspicious of this story since it started. They say China did own up and say it's their balloon. I have said all along it was the U.S. government doing it. It wasn't the Chinese. But they say China has now owned up that it's the balloon. But how do we know that? Have you seen an official recognition of the Chinese government saying, oh, yeah, that's our balloon? No. And then they're saying China's pissed now that we shot their balloon down. Which I still say I'm not buying it. I don't believe the media. I am. I am. And I'm talking the left media or the right media. They all lie. They all slant everything to their angle. And I'm saying based on the UFO swarms that were over the... Uh, U.S. Navy vessels out at sea, which were way too far from the land for drones to be launched, yet they said over and over they were enemy drones. I have a feeling they're going to go drag this thing out of the ocean in the Carolinas, and they're going to go, oh, it had a whole bunch of drones on it. See, all solved. We don't have UFOs. They were all drones from a Chinese spy balloon. And I think that's part of their plan because I don't think those were drones that we saw around those U.S. Naval vessels. And none of the eyewitnesses so far have thought they were drones. And remember, they were saying they were coming from different bearings. They were going different directions. They were doing things that drones didn't do. And they were highly advanced, and they were not quadcopter drones. So they could be an adversarial government drones. They could be Chinese drones. That's what our government has said all along. Unless it was our government, of course, doing it. So... The fact that this balloon got shot down, and I love the media when everybody jumped on Biden for not shooting it down, and then they're like, oh, no, 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 this happened three times with Trump. Really? Why are we just hearing about this? You don't think that the media would have jumped all over it? Remember, they always accused that guy of being buddies with the commies. So if 
Trump was buddies with the Chinese. He just let them fly spy balloons over our country and did nothing about it. And we were never alerted by the media that hated Donald Trump. I don't buy that story either. Most of the media hated him and they would have done anything to make him look bad. And the Chinese flying an epic spy balloon right across the middle of our country is bad. And us doing nothing about it is bad. So I don't think Donald Trump would have been cut that slack. I don't buy that three of these flew over during the Trump administration. He denies it. But then again, Trump's an effing liar. Guy lies about crap. I'm just looking at the whole picture here. I know that our government, if it's been left or right, no matter who's been running it, is really ran by people that aren't elected officials. And they have been keeping the UFO thing a secret for a very, 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 very long time. And now that we're getting some traction on the UFO topic, we get weird stuff. And our government is notorious for deflecting, deflecting, deflecting on the UFO topic. And I think they're going to try to use this balloon experiment as uh, as a way to deflect what's probably real unknown activity. I'm not going to say they're alien spacecrafts, but they're definitely unknown aerial phenomenon. So... I don't buy this whole Chinese balloon story and now that China's saying it's theirs, I almost wonder if they waited to shoot it down over the ocean so that no one could ever get a picture of what was in it. The only person that's gonna see it is the military guys that recover it. If it was over land, there was a really good chance that uh, civilians would've saw it first and photographed it before the military got there and those pictures would've got out. So they waited to get it so that now when they release it, it's gonna have stuff on it it probably didn't have. Remember, our government is shady. I am Stretch. I am honest. I am a truth sayer. <sighs> That's what I do here on the Big 49. God bless America and Stretch. Big 49. It is a Stretch show on a Monday morning. And today we got a bummer, sad, sad story. We talk about motocross ad nauseum on this radio station. And we talk about how dangerous it is. And we saw... One of the greats go down this weekend in Dylan Ferrandez with a neck injury. Uh, hopefully he's back soon. We'll get an update as soon as we can and get it up on either our social media or on the air here at the radio station. And uh, there's another sport that's way more dangerous that I know of, and kids do that too. And this weekend, a 14-year-old boy uh, lost his life doing rodeo. They say 14-year-old boy... Being remembered for his courage, I'll give you that. A 14-year-old with more courage than this old fat turd has because I wouldn't get on a bull no matter how much money you paid me. No matter nothing. Uh, he died when he was bull riding for the first time ever on at a rodeo on Saturday, uh, North Carolina. Uh, Denim Bradshaw was thrown from the bull and was in cardiac arrest on the arena floor at the American Legion Post in King, North Carolina. They say the bull stomped on the boy's chest and that would put you into cardiac arrest because it can stop your heart. And that's what happened. The boy remained unconscious in front of the stunned crowd as emergency workers treated him. He later died at the hospital. Uh, his mother, Shannon Bowman, uh, says she's so proud of his braveness and his courage. And she says, my little cowboy, I will love and miss you so much. And I know God will take care of you. They've set up a GoFundMe page if you want to help him out. Denim Bradshaw, they say his passion to the sport is what led to that fateful moment. And it's a tragedy. And you know what's weird? 
you're going to get people that are going to come out and they're going to be like, who lets their 14-year-old ride a bull? Who lets their 14-year-old race a motorcycle? Who lets their 14-year-old do a backflip on a motorcycle? Who lets their 14-year-old play football? And that's what you're going to hear. And to those people, I say, go F yourself. It is a sport. It is something, especially in certain parts of the world, in certain parts of America, is a big deal. And people see it and they want to do it. And I got to tell you, I started watching mixed martial arts and I was not a young man. I was not a teenager. I was way older than in my 30s at that point. And I'm like, wow, I want to do this. I didn't want to go fight, but I wanted to learn how to do it. So I did. I went to classes and I took classes and I trained. And I just get hurt all the time. But it was fun. And I did it for the fun. I didn't do it because I wanted to hurt anyone. I didn't do it because of any other reason other than I was really into the sport and I was a fan. And I, I admire anyone that's got the nuts to step up and try something that might be a little dangerous. Now, granted, I'm a giant vagina and I'm not going to do anything dangerous like our friend Bradley Slums. That man is a lunatic, if you ask me. I love Bradley Slums and I really love watching him, but that's not something I'm going to look at and be like, yeah, I'm comfortable uh, trying to jump in and do that. But, you know, your kid and you live in North Carolina and your kid wants to be a rodeo star and you let him start out. And, you know, when the little, little ones, they put on the sheep and they strap them on there and let them ride. And then they move up and they ride horses and they rope cows and they do this and that. It's all part of rodeo. It is all a sport. It is a dangerous sport, but it's highly unlikely that something fatal is going to happen. It's more like moto where you're going to have a broken bone here or there, maybe get a concussion and you get up. Football's the same way. Occasionally somebody dies on the field and it's horrific, but God bless those parents for letting that kid live his dream and do what he wanted to do and encouraging him instead of keeping him in bubble wrap like all these little wussy kids that we see nowadays. So uh, my condolences to this family, my condolences to uh, everyone there. Uh, Rest in peace, young Mr. Denim, and uh, hopefully people will jump on the GoFundMe and help this family out. I I salute the life that kid led and the way that his family let him do it. The same way I look at, I talk to all these moto kids, man, and I'm like, these kids are young, man. This is a dangerous sport. They're young, and they're old at 30. Eli Tomac is the grandpa on the course right now, and he's 30 years old. I got a kid older than Eli Tomac. I look at that and just be like, shout out to these parents. And, and these kids, they end up, by the way, I haven't yet met one of these kids that didn't grow up to be a good kid. Just good people. It's a sport that keeps you honest and makes you humble, and it really, really will. So my condolences to this family in Carolina. And if you want to help Mr. Denim Bradshaw, you can go on the GoFundMe and help the family out. Rest in peace, young man. I am Stretch. This is the Big 4-9. Big, 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 big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Checking in with Star Racing Yamaha to find out how everything is going with Dylan Ferrandez. They say he's still being evaluated after the crash in the main event, and they will provide us an update once they know more. It is good news that he had a neck brace on but walked to the cart. They didn't put him on a stretcher, so he is up and moving around. We don't anticipate any horrific injury, and that's a great, great thing, but hopefully 
hopefully he'll get back quick and we'll see him on the bike very soon. Uh, Justin Cooper, on the other hand, we told you had a great night in his debut on a 450 at seventh place, and Eli Tomac gets the overall win. So besides Ferran is going down, it was a good night for Star Racing Yamaha. Hopefully Dylan will be back with them in Tampa. That would be the best thing. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9, it is a stretch show here on a Monday morning. Thank you for listening. Shout out to the great racing we got from Houston on Saturday with the Supercross. Always a great show with the Supercross. This weekend they are heading to Tampa, and then it's back to California and Oakland after that. So good stuff coming up. We could get to Oakland. I'm just debating. I We, we got to see. We may get to Oakland. Probably not. Probably not, but... We will see. I know uh, that we are definitely not going to Arizona because that is the same day of the two-stroke nationals out at Glen Helen. And we're going to Glen Helen because that's our backyard and that's our homies. And Lori and everybody out there has been so cool to us that we're definitely not going to go to Arizona. And we instead are going to stay home and go to Glen Helen on that weekend. And then we'll do the race coverage from the studio on Saturday night of the races from Glendale, Arizona. So that's all coming up. Right now, let's get to the bong. Guy named Joseph Spina. He lives in Missouri, and he's trying to make his weed shop a roadside attraction. He has got with a 3D printer and made the second largest bong in America. He calls it the reactor. It's 11 feet tall. And it's a big old bong. And here's what's crazy. It's so big that it would be illegal to load it. Weed is legal there in Missouri. But the bowl on this thing is so big that if you pack the bowl, it would take more than three ounces. And three ounces is legally all you can have at one time with their laws for legal marijuana. So if he filled it up, I guess you could put three ounces in and smoke it. That's a lot of weed, by the way. Three ounces of weed is a hell of a lot of weed. And the reactor is 11 feet tall and it weighs 150 pounds. I don't know how much it weighs once you put water in it because it's a big old water pipe. And it's at a place called Weedman and Glassman, a wholesale tobacco product distributor in Bolivar, Missouri. And the two guys that run it, basically they were working in the pandemic and they were in Billboard and... One was doing billboard sales. The other guy was doing uh, finance. And they got punched in the nuts like the world did during the pandemic. And they're like, we need to do something else. So they came up with their company. And they would drive around. And they would sell pipes and things like that to to weed shops. Because the weed business stayed booming. Because people were stuck at home. And they were smoking high to learn to cope with their families that they had never spent time with. At least not that much time. So, all the parents that had to homeschool their kids were just like, oh, man, hitting the bong. So, these guys uh, started their business up, and now they they have a shop that's actually based there in uh, Bolivar, and they have the reactor, and they're trying to get people to come by and check out their bong. It is not the largest. Do you want to know where the largest one is? The largest one is Bongzilla, and Bongzilla lives in Las Vegas, Nevada. Las by the way, Bongzilla's 24 feet high and weighs 800 pounds. It's at the Cannabition Cannabis Museum in Las Vegas. And some artist created it. 
and it can hold a quarter pound of weed in the bowl and 100 gallons of water in the chamber for Bongzilla. So Bongzilla is far and away the biggest bong in the United States. I don't know if there's one bigger somewhere in the world that the story does not go into that detail. Say it took 15 glass blowers working eight hours a day, four days to build Bongzilla. It was then disassembled, packaged, and transported to the Interactive Marijuana Museum uh, from his Seattle studios where it was made and then brought to Vegas. That's where it is. It sits there. So if you want to go see Bongzilla, that's really close to you. If you're a trucker, shout out to my truckers. You're rolling through Missouri. You go through Bolivar. Uh, that's where you can go meet the reactor. The reactor's a solid bong. Not going to lie. That is a massive, massive bong. It's on uh, 107th Road. Weedman and Glassman is where that shop is, and that is where the reactor is. So shout out to people trying to do things differently, trying to change the game. Uh, I know in Baker, California, they got the world's largest thermometer. I think I'd rather see the world's largest pong. I think I'd rather go on through uh, Baker and head into Vegas and go look at the world's largest pong. Tell you, next time I go to Vegas, besides going to uh, Zach Bagan's museum, which I plan on doing, I am going to go uh, maybe see Bongzilla while I'm there. Look at that. And I'm not even a weed smoker, but, you know, impressive is impressive. It's like a giant dong. You're like, you know, I'm not gay, but that's an impressive dong. That thing's that thing's a massive monster. So same thing with Bongzilla. Go pay respect where respect is due. All right, coming up next, let's talk about some bad popos. Got a popo's in trouble. He's in big trouble. When people die in your custody, they, they, they look into that, and then it gets worse from there. Talk about this one next. This is the Big 4-9. The Big 49 Moto Minute Brought to you by LBZ A frustrating weekend for Mr. Kenny Roxon Aboard that HEP Suzuki team After getting on the podium for the first time this season Last weekend at A2 He did not get on the podium in Houston In fact, he had a social post that said this I struggled all day and all night Good thing is I got another chance next Saturday. Cheers to the fans. At least they were rad. And remember, Kenny got beat by Justin Cooper, who made his debut on the 450. And I know that doesn't set well with a guy like Ken Roxon, who is a perennial top five finisher no matter what in the 450 division. And for him to go down to number eight in Houston was not a good night. We'll see if he makes a rebound in Tampa. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9, it is a stretch show on a Monday morning, getting ready for this coming weekend when Supercross is in Tampa, Florida, which means we're going to have an early-ass start because that is East Coast, East Coast time, and I got a feeling we're going to start the racing probably around 4, probably around 4 p.m., that would be 7 here. So we're ready to get up on the pre-race show here on the 49 at 2 p.m. Pacific time. It sucks when they head back to the east because it screws up our times. But we will have you covered here on the 49 if you want to listen. We'll get you the pre-race show, and then we will get you the uh, post-heat race wrap-ups and post-race wrap-ups on everything that happens, and then a complete post-race wrap-up show. And then we will offend people and say things that are not politically correct and try to get cancel culture. Because we seem to do our very best at that every Saturday. It's fun. It's fun being the boss of a radio station that's constantly trying to shoot itself in the nuts. 
What could go wrong? Right, I tell you, this is what a cop thought. Uh, Maryland, Prince George County. That was a police officer. He had a man in custody. He had him handcuffed. He had him in the front seat of his car. Now, I don't know what happened at that point. But at some point, the man, 43-year-old William Green, was shot six times while handcuffed in the police car. And then they immediately decided to charge the officer because, well, you know, you shoot a handcuffed man six times, which call overkill. And uh, voila, they came out and said, we're going to give him a plea deal of voluntary manslaughter. Initially, they wanted him for second-degree murder. He agreed to the voluntary manslaughter and was going to plead guilty to it. And then the victim's family, Mr. Green's family, came out and said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Involuntary, you shot a handcuffed dude that was in a seated in a car six times. How is that involuntary? So the family filed, and then this week the state's attorney's office filed court documents indicating that the offer of which uh, Officer Owen was intending to accept had been upended. So it looks like now he's back on for second-degree murder, and it's going to trial. That's only because of a massive uproar about how does a dude that got shot six times while handcuffed and seated in a car, uh, how is that involuntary? I would say that was very voluntary. At best case, voluntary manslaughter. But man, it seems weird when things like this happen. So they've stopped and it's going to trial. By the way, uh, I haven't seen the video. I don't know the evidence in the case. It may be completely justified, but the fact that the officer was willing to accept that seems suspicious to me, like maybe he did screw up. And you know what happens when you screw up? You go to jail. You know what happens when you screw up? You go to jail. You know what happens when I screw up? We go to jail. You know what happens when a cop screws up? Well, sometimes they get a really sweet plea deal, and that's not always great. So let's hope that justice is served in this case, whatever justice is in this case. And they get to the bottom of the real deal that happened. I'm sure there's body cam footage, there's footage in the car, there's a lot of stuff that they can go to to see if this officer was in the wrong and deserves to go to prison. That being said, who the hell would want to be a cop right now? I tell you, not fun. All right. What do I got? I'm about to wrap up. I got Eli Tomac coming up here. Gonna rerun Eli Tomac if you missed it. And then after uh, Eli Tomac, Frank, I'm gonna put a fork in the entire show and go home. It's one of those days. Happy effing Monday. It's a stretch show at a big 4 9. Big 4-9, it is a stretch show, wrapping it up on a Monday, getting ready to get the hell up on out of here. I thank you for listening to us. I thank our friends at Feld Entertainment for giving us continued access to the writers and everyone at Supercross. I apologize, today's uh, interview is not going to be as great quality this entire week because we're doing it, it's online, it's through a crappy internet. Used to hearing everything on the Big 49 done in FLAC, which is a super, super high quality audio because we have we have the best streaming application in the known universe big 49 sounds so good because it streams very high quality audio and when you record something through the internet and then play it back you can't salvage that high-end audio 
So I think the interviews are kind of crappy, a lot of background noise and stuff this week, and there's nothing I can do about it, but I would rather have interviews than not have interviews, so say la vie, that's the way it is. When we can get back out there and do it face-to-face, we will. But right now, we're just grateful that we're able to get them on for you. And thank you to Eli Tomac for talking to us. Uh, get well to our friend Dylan Ferrandez from Star Racing Yamaha. Really want to see him back on the bike soon. Hopefully, he uh, is not out too long. I don't know what happened. We haven't got the update yet. By now, there's probably an update, and I'll have it on a Moto Minute as soon as I can. Don't forget the huge news today of the Stretch Show is now a podcast. If you missed any of it, if you heard something, you're like, oh, I want to hear it when he talked about sharks or whatever the nonsense was that I babble about. Uh, you can look it up. iHeart, they got the podcast. It's the Big 49 Stretch Show. Look for Stretch Show. Look for Big 49. You'll find it. And I'm pretty sure it's on Spotify and a whole bunch of places. I paid some fee and there's some company and they just distribute it. I don't want to deal with it. Because I don't get time. I'm very busy. So that's happening. Getting ready this weekend. Already looking at Tampa. Tampa's going to be a nice one. The whole crew's going to be together on Saturday to cover that. I think racing uh, coverage will start about 2 p.m. on Saturday. That's cool. Shout out to my crew. Shout out to Moto Man, Jason from HYR, and Dumbass Kyle. The whole crew. We are what we are. We do what we do. And we thank you for listening to us. The rest of the day, we're going to drop you down with Moto Updates every effing hour at the bottom of the hour. Brought to you by LBZ. And then we're also going to be kicking it down with the Moto Show on Fridays. Stretch Show will be back tomorrow morning, 3 a.m. Pacific time. And yesterday's Stretch Show now available as a podcast. Go check it out. And it is what it is, man. It is what it is. I will talk to you guys again tomorrow morning. Until then, God bless you all. God bless the United States of America.